Mm. I'll ask you to repeat that, Alan. Thank you. Yeah, originally, like, it was just going to be that simple round space there. And then I, like, looked and I thought, hmm, you know, by the time I put the straw bale in there and it's, like, two foot wide, the thing, it's like, boy's bed, our bed, kitchen, where? where? There'd be no room, so we kind of, like, it kind of, like, expanded into this, like, witch's hat sort of shape with these with this extension on so we could have a veranda and like an indoor outdoor space sort of thing and an added bathroom that was a kind of like a luxury to have that because we weren't originally going to do that we had a bath we've got a bath down in the bottom of the woods which we just light a fire under but uh we thought it'd be nice to have a bath for the kids you know what i mean and uh so we put that burner in there that heats the water cook pizza at the same time uh, and uh but originally, uh, because it was going to be like a daub, and we, when we looked here, there was no clay at all here on this bit of land. Like over on the valley there, there was like, you know, there's clay pits. But like to move tons of clay here, it was just like really impractical. So I decided to do it with weatherboarding and just use wool insulation. So it's like sheet wool. And uh, I used reed board. And it was like, it comes in eight foot by four foot sheets of reed, and you can cut it and shape it to whatever shape you like. It's really fireproof, and it's like 25 mil thick. So it's really insulative as well. Reed board. Reed board, and it's just reeds all wired together with stainless steel. As you can see, it's cracking. Because <laughs> uh, the house is moving. Look at the door there. I keep having to plane it off. Because what I did, like all the uh, joists on the outside are all sitting on stones. And I thought, oh, the inside will be fine. But actually, they've sunk a little bit. So the house has moved slightly. You know, the floor was a bit wonky. <laughs> I had to get underneath it and knock the middle of the... Uh, the it crowned up in the middle. <laughs> that floor, the floor's beautiful. It took me a year, it took me a winter to do that floor. I planed it all by hand. I got all this beach, spalted beach. It's beautiful. Right, somebody ordered it, didn't want it. It sat outside for a couple of years. And so we said, oh, do you want it for 200 quid? I said, yeah. <laughs> And I just had an old block plane and just planed it all up and just fitted it all in. But yeah, a bit, with the wall, with the wall and that, it just made the walls are a lot thinner, but they're still very insulated. All the doors and windows are recycled. People gave us doors, you know, windows. There was like a window company up near where I used to live, and um, they should just throw out all the old wooden frame windows after they'd replaced them with plastic ones for somebody else. So I just, you know, I'll have them, and I just made their own frames for them. The roof's all straw above the thing. All the hazel up there is all coppiced from the land here. And the dome glass window there, that's like, I got that off eBay, 50 quid. It's a Victorian dome glass window. It transformed the place when I put that in. It was a little bit of a dark cave until I put that in. But I wanted as many windows as possible, really. Because I've lived in a bender for several years in a pine forest, so it's very dark. So yes, tell me about your beginnings, please. Did you start off in a bender? Uh, well, when I first came out of Wales, I did. Uh, it was funny. Yeah, I came to a party <laughs> 24 years ago. <laughs> Kangaroo Moon were playing uh, at Embarkai, and uh, I was came, I came down for the weekend. At the time, I was living in London. I'd just left my job as a well, I'd say not just left my job as a chef. I was a chef there, and. Uh, did 10 years, like I say, the Savoy and Inigo Jones and Carl Lucio's and, you know, working 90 hours a week, 80, 90 hours a week, and I just got fed up with it, and uh, I left it all, you know, home, you know, girlfriend, job, and went and lived at the Rainbow Centre, which was a squatted church, like an environmental centre, and from there I ended up on the protest camps, on road protests, I used to cook for them, 
And so every day, so I'd go out and busk with my drum, and my didgeridoo, go skipping, go blagging food, come back. I made sure they had breakfast in the morning and an, an evening meal on these various camps. So I fed them, you know, every day. And uh, eventually kind of got fed up of that as well, really, because it's very confrontational, is the protest scene. And so I, uh, like I say, one weekend, my friend said, from the rainbow center. He said, oh, I'm going down to Wales for the weekend. The kangaroo Moon are playing. I, Do you want to come? So I just jumped on the bus. I had nothing with, you know, I didn't have anything. You know, my duvet, my drum, my didgeridoo, that was it. And uh, I jumped on his bus and just as we arrived, the bus broke down. And he said, oh, it's going to be a couple of weeks. But a couple of weeks turned to a couple of months. And so I, I squatted this bender in the woods and uh, I signed on for the first time in my life. And I got my first gyro and I bought a tarp. So I built my first home with my first gyro and I lived in that for several years. And over that several years, I uh, learned about arboriculture and permaculture and planted 100,000 trees. Probably collected the seeds for millions of trees, which we sold to tree nurseries. Acorns, ash keys, rowan berries, hawthorn berries. Uh, rather than protecting one tree and getting all angry about it. <laughs> It kind of just did, you know, it felt, more, you know, a lot more positive. And I know there's forests out there now that I've been part of, you know, planting and growing. So all these skills that I've learned have just been built up over these, you know, since I've been down here. And always had the dream to do this little home space. Uh, you know, it was the family that really pushed me towards doing it as well. Having having kids was, uh, you know, that was the impetus to, you know, because I'd probably still be in the bloody bender now. You know, I'd, be, I'd be fine and happy in the bender in the woods. Um... <coughs> But, uh, yeah, so, like, it was funny because uh, the reason why we got this bit of land was very lucky because we had a horse and uh, our friend, our neighbour borrowed the horse to cover her mare and while it was in the field, some local bloke had seen, oh, you know, whose is that? Can, we, can I borrow that horse, you know, to cover my mare? And I used to come and cycle over every weekend to see and I just asked them, off the, off, you know, do you do it by chance enough there's any bits of land for sale around here? She says, yeah, I'll, I'll take... He brought me straight here to this place. And it's only an acre and a third. And uh, he just said, oh, you could, you could buy... You know. And he was a local councillor, actually. And he said, oh, you could buy this place and stick a caravan up and go for retrospective planning. So anyway, we'd, we'd, uh, we ended up getting it. Very cheap. You know, a thousand pounds, basically. <laughs> so... Well, like I say, it was like a jungle when we got here. You know, bracken six, seven foot high, and the more we cut the bracken, the more the brambles grew. So it took years to kind of like establish a space, and I only observed the land for a few years to see where was the best place to put everything. It's like it's funny. The first three times I dug, I found buried streams, I'm like they're two foot down, stones all the way down, cap, you know, and then with capping stones over the top to you know to so they must have done that years ago i don't know how many years ago they've done that it must have been to dry the land out you know to, to make it a little bit more because it's surrounded by a wall all the way around i mean it's six foot thick and eight foot tall in some places it's almost like a, you know, a little bit like a castle personally i think it was a bit like like it was possibly used like a, a holding pen for cattle because a lot of the cattle used to come round here there was um in Crimmock, for example there was 16 farriers and they used to shoe the cattle and walk them to Smithfield Market in London. So I, rec I reckon that this was possibly one of them little holding pens so they could, you know, because I can imagine it was pretty wild out here then and a lot of rustling and <laughs> once upon a time. And you probably paid a few, you know, shillings to keep your cows in the place because there's always water here as well because we're on a spring line. 
right, that we've got a spring down the bottom, which was capped anyway. It, was like it had a huge stone on it. It was like a big chamber inside, but we just like put a cap on it, you know, so it's clean. And uh, we just bear water, you know, we carry water up every day, which is a really nice thing to do. So the water that comes out of the tap there, there's just from a stream. It only just comes out of the ground, not far up anyway, but you, know, you can drink it, but you know, when we've got lovely spring water, but it's really nice to kind of like bear water, you know, bring you water, it gives you a bit more appreciation for it, isn't it? The, the, the simple things. How long did it take to build from beginning to end? It took me about, for the main house, it took about four years, but then I only did a couple of days a week. Because at the time I was working, doing antique restoration. So that's what taught me the carpentry. So basically, I just made a big table. <laughs> so, you know, I've learned the skills with carpentry, but... <coughs> Where were you living with your family while you were building it? Uh, well, like we were here anyway, uh, from, from like, sort of like April to October. Stayed in a, in a bend to start off with, and then that tarp crapped out, so I bought like an Arctic bell tent. So then we'd stay here, like I say, from April to October, and then move back to our friend's place. We just rented one room in her, in her house, very cheap, very nice that she'd lent, you know, rent us it really cheap, because I was only doing three days a week, earning 50 quid a day, you know, and uh, because she did two days a week art, so we just, we didn't, you know, we always, I was there with the kids when she was working, and vice versa, so, you know, because we, we, we home-ed them, and uh, which is great. You can know. you say how much it cost to build it cost about two and a half grand something like that i mean all the main poles all these structural poles all the all in the round and the roof poles cost 240 quid just a whole truckload just you know i stripped the bark off and and then all the cladding wasn't that expensive i think the most expensive thing was really you know putting the wood burner and the bathroom in you know, buying the copper tank and the bath and all the taps and, you know, that was one of the biggest expenses. You know, let's say the floor I got for 200 quid. It was just a lot of work, labour of love, really. So there's one main room and there's a kitchen off to the side. Yeah, and how so many look, other rooms? The, then there was two, be there's our bedroom off there and then the boys' bedroom was there with bunk beds in, which is uh, now my wife's walk-in wardrobe. <laughs> She's very happy about that. After we, because uh, we made a little hut for the boys, I'll show you that in a bit anyway. So, and yeah, we've got the bathroom there, and uh, so yeah, the burner there heats the water. Let's say we usually cook at the same time while we're heating the bath. It's a, it's a bit over efficient. It only takes about an hour and a half to have a tank, and then it starts to boil. So I just used to scoop it out then and chuck it in the other burner over there in the main room. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, so yeah, so I was only doing like two days a week, really. So I say I did, did it for four years, but I was only doing two or three days a week on the place, you know. So just took my time, basically. We first built the frame and put the roof up and left it for a year as well, just to see if anybody would say anything. You know, I'd already asked all the neighbours, which is, for me, that's permission. If, if all my direct neighbours are happy then I, I can't see what the, uh, you know, and I think if that, I think that would be a, a way forward in many respects. Because, uh, yeah, it is a major problem, isn't it, with uh, home spaces for, especially the younger generation. You know, they, they uh, you know, what hope have they got of getting a home space if they, uh, you know, so that's one of the reasons why I've been building for other people, for One Planet Development and and for other projects in, in, in the various woods here and there and helping people that can't do it for themselves. You know, and I know other people that are doing you know, their own projects. 
because you know that seems to be the only option really in this uh, in this moment, which is great because they're sustainable, cheap, made from wood and wool and straw and mud and clay and turf roofs, and they blend with the environment. And you know, it's uh, leave no footprint. You know, there's no real foundations to the things, and you know, it's. Uh, and we have so many visitors here, it's mad. We live in the middle of nowhere and the amount of people that come through and be inspired by it, because that's all we can do really is inspire people. Because I, I, you know, I used to go to festivals and what, you know, used to see people in their teepees and their benders and yurts. It's like, wait, where do these people go after the fest? You know, I want, I want, to, I want a bit of that. You know, it's just like, it was inspiring to see other people doing it. And it was like, and now it's really, you know, nice to be able to inspire other people to, uh, to do this sort of thing and live, you know, it's it's nothing new really. Anyway, you know? <laughs> I mean, many people are, are living this lifestyle and have done for fucking millennia, you know. And it's uh, you know, it's just really nice to be, able, you know, we've, we've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to be able to do that here, you know. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's blending in now, isn't it? With the, as you as you can see, it's gorgeous. Uh, it, it looks part of nature, doesn't it? There's no. You can't see. You can't even freaking see it from Google Earth. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you could see the potato patch from Google Earth, but you couldn't see the house. It's great. Well, how much veg are you growing? Not vast, vast amounts. You know, for example, I don't really grow that many potatoes now because it's just cheaper to buy a sack of potatoes locally that's that's grown locally anyway. Uh, but we grow, you know, all our salads and greens and kales and. We've got a forest garden there, so we've got blueberries and taberries and raspberries and strawberries and currants, red currants, black currants. We've got various apple trees. We're not growing this year, actually. We had such an abundance of apples last year, but this year the cold's got the blossom, I think. It was very, very cold this spring and dry, so we, we won't have that many apples. There's a few trees down there with, the, with them. Anyway, we'll, we'll have a wander down in a bit anyway and you can see the garden. What are you doing about power? Uh, at the moment we use solar panels. We've only got 500 watts, but basically we just charge everything up during the day. Everything's chargeable. You know, we've got laptops or DVD player, which is rechargeable. Phones rechargeable, all my cameras will recharge. So, you know, on a sunny day like today, we'll just charge everything up. And then we've got, you know, in the summer months, there's power in the, you know, there's enough left over usually for a bit of lighting and that. But quite often we just use candles or fairy lights. <laughs> Well, they look there, you know. Um, and you've got I'm, piped uh, water coming in. We've got piped water coming in from a stream, which just comes out of the ground up there anyway. I just built a dam and run a pipe down, so we've got gravity-fed water. And I say we've got a spring down the way for uh, for drinking water, which is beautiful, beautiful spring water. Um, and then do you have a compost toilet? Yeah, we use compost toilet, and then the compost goes on the fruit trees. Then we don't put it on the vegetable part. We just it looks like just black soil full of worms. It's quite amazing actually. So we just use that, uh, put it around the currant bushes and the apple trees, and uh, yeah, it's growing wonderful. It's taken years to establish as well. It's, it's uh, you know, some of them apple trees have been in 12 years now, something like that, 12, 15 years. They planted them when they were kids. I planted them with them, so they've got their own apple trees. So they can watch them grow. So your children have built their own places, have I they? I, well, yeah, I helped them. Well, I helped them. I got them to help me build their little home, basically, so they could learn a few of the skills as well, you know. And So they've got their own home space, they've got their own separate bedroom space, and, you know, when they became teenagers. Oh. 
what did they move in? How old were you when you moved in there? 14? Twelve and fourteen. How old were we when we started Cardigan College? Because our first night ever was like the enrollment in Cardigan College. All right. Yeah. So hang on. Let me just see now. It was about. Yeah. So I must have been like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, something like that. Sonny must have been thirteen, something like that. Twelve, thirteen. So we built their little shack with a little burner. They originally wanted their own little place each. And I said, well, that's two separate wood burners. You know, it's like that's using a whole lot more. You know, why don't you have one space which you heat that heats the whole thing and just have your own separate room? So they were happy with that. And are they still using that now? They're still using that now. You know, for now they can stay here as long as they like. You know, they're itching to go off travelling anyway. They want to go heading out around the world as well. How far away is your nearest neighbour? Uh, well, we've got. One neighbour, which is probably, that was the closest, that she, they just, she just built a little hut there, and it must be 500 yards, something like that. But it's right in the woods, you can't see. Uh, and we're going to have another neighbour soon, which is probably very similar. And then the other closest ones was where we walked past, you know, what, a quarter of a mile, something like that, which is, you know... So how, how possible is this for somebody if they want to build their own home? What would you recommend they do? It's, it's a question that keeps getting asked. And like lots, like literally hundreds of people have come through and want to do, the, you know, the, I want to do exactly this. I want to do, how do you do it? You know, and it's just like, and the major stumbling block is the land itself. Land and permission and all that crap. Because um, it's all stitched up. You know, I mean, you're not supposed to build any, you know, the, the law states that you don't, you know, you're not supposed to build anything in rural areas, you know, you've got to be all in, within the curtilage of built-up areas, that's why they just keep building on the green bits within spaces, which is quite sad, really. Um, especially when you see this sort of a hut that takes nothing away from nature, just adds to it, really, and makes environment, you know, we've got all sorts of bats living in the house, you know, there's loads of bats. They love the board, the weatherboard, and they all get up there, and, you know, so there's an environment for every, you know, that's that's part of permaculture, really. You know, when we first started with the garden, we'd, you know, the jays and the blackbirds and the magpies and everything ate the apples and the fruit before you could get up in the morning, you know. But now there's enough for all of us. So that's the idea, isn't it? You know, so that there's, you know, we don't have to uh, fight against it. It's, there's, you know, I suppose, you know, the, the principles of permaculture that there's enough for for every, you know, if you're going to live in an environment, then you, you know, it's part of, part that's part of it, isn't it? You know, being in harmony with it and 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 having enough to share. <laughs> well, this is very secluded, and as you said, you can't see it from Google Earth. So people really have to find somewhere out of the way, <coughs> which is hidden. I, I think at some stage something's got to shift, you know, and you know land could become available, you know, and let's say this project that I'm on, uh, that I'm going to start next week. He's got like three hundred acres. And he's got permission for one place at the moment, but he could build a whole community there. I mean, there's old, like, walled gardens, which were part of a mansion there, uh, with a whole hydro system and everything. I mean, um, they could have, you know, several families living there and still have space for retreats for people to come and get away and, and learn skill, you know, because this is what one of the main things that people learn, need to learn is, is the skills to live back on the land anyway. It's all very well, like, yeah, I'd like to build it, you know, but you kind of need to know how 
how the land works and what's growing there and you know know what the vegetation is and what's you know what's what you know we call them weeds but most of it's actually quite useful you know rather than just going in there and hacking it now and i'm going to put that that you know like i say it took a few years before originally i was going to build it down the bottom there and then i decided that this was the better place you know just just from observation of the land and seeing where the water flows and where the like i say i found the buried streams the first three times i've dug i found three buried streams it's kind of mad really you know it's kind of as if i doused them i don't know it's just you know so i didn't want to disturb them i didn't want to build on top of it i didn't want to you know so it was all a, a, pro, a slow process of observation and, and i think that's key when you're working with nature is you know is sitting back and looking at it and observing and see what grows at different times of year as well you know what's growing there at this time of year what's growing there at that time of year you might come up one time of year think oh, i might build that there and then come the winter and there's a bloody stream flowing through that way because it's a bit like that round here so you know it is a process I think it would, in some any respect, it would be easier if groups of people got together, collectively got the land, and, I, and I'd like to see at some stage uh, uh, to see the farmers uh, relinquishing some of you know if they've got 180 acres, maybe they could you know rent it or you know like uh, they could gain something from it as well. It'd be nice to have so that they you're not just selling it and giving it you know that they could have some so, so, so there's like a, a symbiotic relationship between the people who have lived with the land and and, and allow space to become available for you know the, the the younger generation especially you know I mean they're all treading water aren't they they don't seem to have much hope, you know, like, what fucking hope, that, you know, I'm never going to be able to afford one of them fucking rabbit hutches at fucking half a million quid. Around here they are, they're like fucking stupid prices. And, uh, you know, let's say, when something like this, you know, them houses, the one that you went to see yesterday, roughly around about ten grand, eight, ten grand. So people can see, oh, I could, I could, I could afford something like that. I could, I, I could do. That's a start. That's a stepping stone. You know, if I have kids, you know, you put a little extension on it, and it's costing. Do you know what I mean? You know, that seems to be like you know, and and on all the materials come relatively local, as well. So, and, and I know there's people who want to help and, and and do this sort of thing for people. Uh, it's just a case of. Uh, well, this is a good template. As you said, in Russia, they have the dachas where yeah. people live out in the countryside. Um, so your overheads must be very low. Your very bills. low. That's why I, so I don't need to work that much. That's the idea, basically. So I don't have to, you know, be on the treadmill constantly trying to keep afloat. You know, I can, I can live very, very simply. There's, you know, I just need to buy a bit of food. You know, in the summer months, it's, if we don't, you know, there's some, lots of stuff comes from the garden. You know, I buy gas. We use gas bulbs. I like my cup of tea in the morning rather than just having to light a fire. I did that for several years in the bender. Light the fire, get the kettle on. No, it's very nice, but, you know, if I'm going out in the morning, I just stick the kettle on and it's boiled and I'll have a cup of tea, you know. You know. Uh, Are you able to I don't have a car, like I say, so I, don't, I have no insurance, no, you know, so everything's done by bike or... If I've got a big job, because I've got quite a lot of tools now, all rechargeable, uh, the, the, the client will come and pick me up with all my tools. If I'm there for two or three months, for example. Um, I try to keep everything local. So you use a bicycle and you used to use a horse, you say? Well, I use the horse to get the wood out. I mean, we've got, we have, we've got three horses now. Because we had two given. So they're just being broken in now, slowly but surely. They're a little bit old, you know, they're five and six, but I would have started early, you see. I started young, when, you know, my mum was a young and beautiful black and white, three-quarter shire. 
and uh, yeah, he would. He was a good lad, you know. And I'd, I had a little sledge for him, and he'd pull out the wood, you know. I could turn him on a sixpence and then up and down. So it's uh, yeah, kind of miss him really. But uh, yeah, so these these are in the process at the moment. They're getting good, uh, a bit by bit. Is there anything we haven't covered, Alan? You'd like to say? Hmm. Don't know really. Yeah. Will you retire here? Kind of semi-retired already, really. This is the idea, isn't it? You know, because I don't, you know, there's not what what is retirement and retire from what? You know, it's I'm not really going to retire from. You know, I slightly. I'm probably going to. You know, at the moment, I, you know, I'm still pretty fit and healthy, and I'm gonna. I'd like to help other people build their home spaces that can't do their own sort of thing. And I'm going to help people that can do it anyway. You just give them a hand, you know, just to help along them lines. But I know more and more as I go down, I'm going to be more, doing more creative. You know, I'm going to be sculpting again and painting and doing more photography. You know, and do you know? I I love doing the art, you know artistic stuff and creative stuff, and it's less heavy as well. And it's more about observation, you know, because I think I think I'm getting more and more to the point where I am just observing you know not wanting to change anything just accept it as it is and just let, let it just be and just it's, it's a lot less uh, weight on your mind trying to you know and there's a lot of people out there that want to change the world and you know cause a revolution and it just you know it's just yeah doesn't really uh bode well for me you know i just like to you know observe see all these beautiful things that are going on because there's loads of beautiful things and the more i see that the more beautiful things that i see you know so. how many tiny homes would you say you've built uh how many tiny homes have i built well apart, I've, I've done two here and i've done three so far for a friend so i'll be doing another i'll be doing the fourth one soon uh, and then I'll be helping another friend, you know, help me with it, you know, so, you know, a little bit of, you know. And otherwise, do you work as a carpenter normally? Mostly carpentry, you know, I'll help people do renovations in houses, so I do all the carpentry work there, but I can do, you know, quite handy. I can turn my hand to, you know, I'll put floorings in, and, and I'm pretty good at tiling now as well. I'm sure, <laughs> the house is beautiful. I use my laser, you know, and I get it all you know, pucker, you know, kind of, yeah, yeah, I'm practical, you know, I can pick things up quick, I watch people, like, oh, that's how you do that, and then I'll give that a go, you know, I like to try new things, let's say, I'm not, I'm not brilliant with uh, plumbing, for example, I'm not, I'm not really a welder, you know, so I had a friend come to do all the plumbing work, and he soldered it all and bent the bars and everything, because he was good, that's what he was good at, you know. But that's the idea, isn't it? We've all got our skills, haven't we? And he did all the electrical stuff and all the wiring up and set, you know, and did that. So well, compared to a conventional rabbit box house, this looks like a little museum to me. Is it easy to keep clean? Uh, it gets a bit dusty because as soon as you have wood burners, there's, there's always a bit of dust and, and things like that. And of course, you walk in a walk-in. We've got chickens and. So, but it's it's a lot easier than some places. Like some places of like that where, like for example, they're built with cob, not um, like logs and so they've got all these log ends stacked up with clay in between. So there's all these places that gather dust, sort of thing. Or at least we've got, you know, a flat wall. You know, it, do, it does gather dust, but it's just it's kind of like it is part of it. We occasionally have blitzes, you know, like spring clean, but we'll we'll just go through the whole place and do it between all of us three or four times a year but then there's just general you know because you'll sweep every day and 
you know, I'll tidy up. I do lots of cooking and washing up and, you know, so it's it's generally tidy most of the time. Of course, you know, when I've got loads of people here and stuff left lying around, but that's part of life, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's not a mess, you know what I mean? We don't live in a mess mess, you know. But uh, I suppose it looks kind of old because there's, a lot, there's lots of antiques. Because I worked in the antique trade, so I bought, you know, and, and restored, for, you know, I got it cheap and restored it and... I think that gives it adds a lot of the character to it. You know, the table here, all these chairs are from like 1880. You know, you know, and nicely restored and waxed and cleaned all them up. That's kind of ecclesiastical. That little cupboard over there, I think that was Irish. It was covered in black varnish, and I stripped it all off back to the wood, and it, it looks rather nice, doesn't it? It does. You know, so it kind of, it, I think that you know, and the paintings as well. It's all our paintings and photographs around. So you know, it's all, all our artwork and. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, 